0: This is my phone a computer. Unplug your Wi-Fi and place your phone in the fridge. Do it now. You have it?
1: Yes. Play it for me now. May you rise. Above
0: Hello and welcome to the Maths Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 514. Available now on digital and streaming is Exemplum, a paranoid thriller in which a media sappy Catholic priest finds himself ensnared in a conspiracy when he attempts to blackmail a wealthy parishioner with secret recordings of his confessions. A powerful and haunting independent feature that tells the story of faith, sin, pride and corruption exemplin also marks the debut feature film of Paul Roland the director writer and star of exemplin who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast Paul thank you very much for joining me today
1: hi how are you Matt thank you so much for having me
0: um thank you so much for being on this is a film that I think is one of my favorites of the year um and I really do truly mean that um and what's interesting is that when I was doing some research on the movie, at first, when it came to this film, you just had the initial an initial idea, which was a priest who records his parishioners' confessions. Um, that idea on his own, where did that kind of come from? Was there something that you saw in the media or something that you read? Or was that something that you kind of like an idea that you kind of been messing around with for a little while and you thought, you know, I think this is a time now to kind of make this, try to make this into a movie?
1: Yeah, that's a fascinating question. You know, it's really multi-pronged uh, answer. Uh, so, I mean, it really kind of has to go back to uh, I had written about six screenplays for this film, uh, uh, various different genres and various different budgets. Uh, all of them I couldn't get off the ground was very difficult. Uh, as you know, the the industry is very hard and uh, doesn't really mm-hmm. reward original ideas, especially original ideas to people who have no connections whatsoever. Uh, so I uh, had been commissioned to write a screenplay in uh the summer of 2019 and after i had written that i had written a short film and as i was raising the funds for that short film i basically thought to myself okay i could either take these same funds and make a feature film out of it uh and follow the uh many uh directors that i had admired from the 1990s people like christopher nolan uh, and Robert Rodriguez And Darren Aronofsky uh, Or I could just make the short film And so I I decided to go the the harder route and, and make the feature film Now I had already uh, In the back of my mind Had a, an idea in my head About a priest that was just Recording his confessions I uh, That was just basically it I had no uh, idea where that would go uh, What kind of story That would lead me to It just was there and I had previously written a screenplay uh, about a editor-in-chief at a website, and he finds out among his staff there's a rogue CIA agent that works for a shadowy figure that infiltrates news organizations and messes around for them from the inside out. And so mm-hmm. he hires a rogue my 6 agent to spy on his staff, and it becomes this cat-and-mouse game. Uh, to uncover the the mole, and they hack people's phones and emails, and it becomes this uh, spiritual reflection about how far one is willing to go to find an enemy, uh, and a lot of deep state reflections. So I had kind of already those themes about spying on people and taking their private information and using it against them. So I took those same themes, I applied it to the idea of a priest recording his confessions, and it all kind of blossomed from there. I had previously worked in Catholic and conservative media. So that's how the idea of him being a social media influencer came about and the idea for Exemplum, uh, them being morality tales and medieval morality tales. I had come across and just done some research about medieval types of storytelling and saw the types of stories that Geoffrey Chaucer Chaucer told, like The Partner's Tale, and it all just blossomed from there.
0: What's really um, fascinating when I talk to indie filmmakers such as yourself is that, I mean, a lot of the times, a film or a, screen, a script, um, or a tone of a movie. A lot of times, it comes down to what resources you have at your at your disposal. When it came to Exemplum, um, what type of resources did you already had that you knew you could use to put this film together? Because from what I understand, you did have access to a Catholic church. That's like one location you can already kind of cross off cross off the list. What else did you have um, for free um, or not, or or access to? which really helped shape the the movie that you put together.
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. You know, that that also goes into how the story all came together. Because really, when you're writing at this level, you have absolutely no artistic freedom at all, zero. So you have to craft your entire story around what you know you can get for free or relatively cheap. So I knew I could get a Catholic church or two for free, Uh, Because I knew pastors here in the area of Pasadena. And I knew at least I could get a restaurant for cheap or free. And I knew we could get a bar for free. I knew the owner of Griffins of Kinsale in South Pasadena, an Irish pub. So... I knew I I had to craft a story around all of those things, or I knew I could at least get an apartment for for free and and just guerrilla-style everything else. Uh, And I think it all really worked well because I chose locations that are, I would say very naturally dressed sets. Mm-hmm. You know, the Catholic church being, uh, you know, I shot at St. Andrew's here in in Pasadena. Uh, it's a gorgeous church, the historic church. There's just the, uh, uh, it's built in like eight, the 1800s. Uh, it's a replica of Rome. So th- I was able to, uh, I would say, take things that were free and make them cinematic on a low scale.
0: When it came to the whole... Part of your uh, character of Colin, our uh, father Colin, being kind of like this social media savvy kind of YouTube star. That's really kind of interesting for me because I think over the last, I don't know, say 10, 15 years, the rise of this kind of like new evangelization, especially on YouTube with things like, you know, Word on Fire or other things as well, um, has been a really kind of interesting to to watch in, in that, you know, it's a good tool, I think. Or evangelization. Myself being a Catholic, I, I watch a lot of that content and, and such. I think is a really good, a good way to kind of uh, talk about the church and the issues within the church. But you can never replace what it's like to be in a church. In, in in what really exemplified that for me was when COVID hit. Once they start doing streaming masses, you know, you knew that. Look, websites, streaming, YouTube, all this stuff is, is greater all but they can't really replace what the real thing is like. Do you think when it comes to the the character of Colin, um, when it came to the whole thing of what he calls the new sermon, that it seemed like he was trying to, I don't know what the word is, trying to push his parish, at least, a little too far ahead of the game in regards to what he thinks the church needed for the future? Or do you think his motivations are more say pride and ego driven entities and how he can kind of push his uh community more into um understanding the church and especially his parish
1: yeah i think that yeah that's a very good question and i think a lot of people have uh responded to the film very well because i i keep that very ambiguous i think there's a little bit of a mixture of both in there i don't think colin is an as he, Even though he does evil things in the film, I don't think he is an evil man. I think he is uh, very caught up in this modern world that we live in where there's this drive to be popular uh, at mm. all costs. And uh, it doesn't really necessarily become about, you know, a message or uh about being quality at some the age, age you have to be popular and he'll do whatever means uh, uh to get there uh, and that's true um everywhere and that that can be true in, in the Catholic Church that can be true uh in just in society uh in general but I also do think that there is a piece of him that that, that does want to reach people or you know use his life uh for uh, for good in that regard he he's obviously a talented artist and he is a talented storyteller and he he does seem have uh, a faith uh and he wants to combine them both and all of those can can get caught up uh with each other and and unfortunately it's the and then when he comes up against it's not really you know the fact that he uh his show gets canceled um, that he goes off the deep end it's also because he comes up against hypocrisy and he comes up against corruption as well uh among people that uh that are doing probably the exact same thing that he's doing uh and far worse um but they're ahead of the game they're entrenched they're established they can get away with bad things so there's just a, there, i think there's a lot of nuance to, to colin's character and his downfall and his motivations
0: the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by t public Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews on top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. I think something that was he spoke to me in regards to Colin is um that a lot of times his ego kind of gets in the way of his um kind of like his more pure motivations he he often says throughout the film um i am my own man now um you know it's a real kind of interesting kind of phrase there because he thinks he's always in charge of everything but there's always like different type of elements that are going against him um if you look at it in a faith-based perspective especially a christian one you can say i'm my own man now but everyone kind of like moving that the world of the christian religion knows that you know god is the author of it all so you cannot really your own man but if you're looking at on the other um other way which is what the hacker always says is that we live in a world of this sort of chaos so even if you think you are your own man life is going to throw curveballs your way and change that trajectory very fast i think it's really kind of interesting kind of like dilemma he finds himself in (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I, I think ultimately it's like he, it's, it reminds me of the, the phrase, uh, uh, in, in the gospel, um, uh, that they tell Jesus Christ, Lord, where, well, you know, where shall we go? Uh, in many ways. So he, I think Colin's uh, our, our trajectory is he's in the church, um, and he's trying to do things in the world from the church, and he realizes that the church can be a brutal place sometimes, and not not uh, not always holding up to its mission statements. And in that, he becomes bitter and decides to go out in the world and live by the world's terms. And then realizes that the world can be just as vicious and brutal as everywhere else. And so, the only uh, option for him is crawling back into the arms of God's mercy in the
0: end. I want to talk about um, your work as as an actor in the film. You play Colin in the movie, and I'm really curious, when it comes to that experience of being the lead in your own film, what does that do to you as a filmmaker and a script writer? When you are, saying your own dialogue and you're in front of your own camera and you look back on it and you do your edits and everything else, does that change the way that you look at script and script writing now, um, especially in regards to uh, dialogue or anything like that? Like, do you, when you do dialogue now, have an experience saying that dialogue uh, in, in your own movie? Does that kind of change the way that you approach uh, um, the, the writing of your scripts in any way? I would say
1: no, uh, because I've been one of the things about uh, being a screener, having written several scripts and screenplays, and why I was able to transfer so well. Uh, into doing the the part of Colin, uh, which was itself a budgetary choice. I mean, we're working you know, seven weekends uh, with no budget. Uh, I, I couldn't get an actor uh, to come out and and do that level of work for 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 no money. Who was going to be able to do the job? So that's why I did it. But having written several screenplays it does hone your skills as an actor because when you are writing a part and you are writing a character you do learn to pick up nuances and you do learn to uh uh, figure out you know part of how you write a scene uh and write a good one is acting out the parts and being in there being in that scene feeling those emotions feeling the nuances of how you approach uh the character so in many ways i would say um Uh, it doesn't uh, change how I write the screenplay. I would say me writing the screenplay uh, changed how I was as an actor or, or or Mm -hmm. shaped how I was as an actor in a lot of ways. Yeah.
0: The film is shot in black and white. I'm curious when it comes to that creative decision, how much of that comes down to budgetary um, uh, um, concerns, how much of that comes to is a a creative decision um, for example, if I gave you the scenario that if just say you didn't have $9,500, uh, sorry, $9,500 to do this film, just say you had $900,000 to do the film, would black and white still be the the way you wanted to go to, uh, to um, have the story presented visually? Yeah. So I would
1: say it's 50% budgetary and 50% artistic creative. Uh, and they both kind of work hand in hand in that regard. So – I do think that there is a practical reason for us doing black and white at this level, mostly because we do not have professional art direction. We don't have professional production mm-hmm. design, professional costumes, makeup, most of the time even. Uh, so by going black and white, it just blends everything together. I don't have to worry about colors, mixing and matte and things looking drab. It, it just gives you uh, a little bit more freedom in a sense and i would say it actually makes something that's cheap not look so cheap because you don't have to it just allows people to focus on the story and and the performances and the camera angles and and that's that uh and creatively uh the film is film noir so it does go with the genre and i also was like i said i loved the 1990s black and white uh 1990s independent films uh i loved the works of christopher nolan darren aronofsky uh kevin smith uh spike lee in many ways was a precursor to this in the late 80s with she's gotta have it i loved that spirits of these artists that came from nowhere and taking what little resources they could and making a movie this was before the the independent movement was a racket. There or there was a, for there was a film freeway, or a film festival on every street corner. That's nearly impossible to get into without having connections. So I wanted this film to look like we just picked up a 16 millimeter black and white camera and went and shot this thing. So that's why I added the 8 millimeter film grains on there and drained the whites and the highlights and added the Gaussian blurs to really sell that feeling that we were shooting this on black and white film in the 1990s.
0: You know, it's really interesting how at the start of our conversation, you talk about how you had a choice whether to take the budget you had to make a short or make a feature. And I think uh, the decision to, to make a feature over a short is one that I don't come across a lot. Like when I talk to a lot of filmmakers, short stay feel is the way to go. They like uh, develop a style, what have you. But when it comes to, I don't know, distributors or such, if I was a distributor of a, of a film and someone wanted to show me a short film that went for 13 minutes, but I, wanted, I had to bankroll a movie that went for maybe, I don't know, 90 to 100 minutes, would a short really be the way to go that uh, this filmmaker can hold a narrative longer than say, you know, uh, you know, just as long as a Netflix show, because I want to see the actual work of a feature film in action by this filmmaker. And I think, is, is that something that was like, kind of like your philosophy as well? Or did you think to yourself, look, if people, if I'm going to have people distrib- distribute a feature film of mine, I'm going to make a feature film. And instead of making like a, just like a, essentially what is kind of like a, a, a reel as opposed to a, a, an actual film. Absolutely. This is a great question.
1: And my answer might offend some filmmakers, uh, because I understand why uh filmmakers make a short film. I wanna, you know, be very clear. It took me very long to come to this conclusion. I myself had tried making, you know, oh, high budget uh short films, uh and all of them were were difficult to get off the ground. Uh, so I, I understand what it's like to be in that mentality to feel like, no, I got to make a short film. I have to make a full-blown professional short film for $30,000, $50,000 so that I can show people uh, what I can do, so to speak. Uh, but having said that and having made this film and having seen so many shorts, I would say that a short film tells me absolutely nothing about a filmmaker's ability to hold a narrative for 90 plus f- minutes. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I it it, it 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 might tell me how well you can do a commercial, might tell me how well you can maybe even do a TV episode. But it does not tell me how you can hold a narrative for 90 plus minutes, which is very challenging. It is there is a world of difference between holding people for 15 minutes and holding people for 90 plus minutes. So if you want to get people to believe that you can do that, you have to be able to just do that and and just brace you know, the challenges of doing it. And I've told people, if all you have is 10,000 or 20 or whatever it is you got, then do it with that. Now, look, like I said, it took me a very long time to come down to this. And in many ways, I felt like, you know, uh, having, I didn't, I, I I was not a film major at uh, uh, Calcino, which I, I minored in screenwriting, when a media manager, but having seen kind of like what film school tells a lot of young filmmakers, uh, it really imprints that mentality in their mind that they have to make that short film. They have to spend the $50,000, which $50,000 on something, like, which is basically practice. I would not want to spend $50,000 on practice. I would say, if you want to practice, then yeah, make little short films with your friends for a couple hundred dollars or very little money at all. I made 10 comedy sketches with my friend Adam Yenser and those did well on the internet. You know, just do little things like that. Don't spend don't spend that amount of money on a short film. I don't think it's, it's the wise thing to do.
0: You mentioned before that you had several screenplays drafts or maybe even completed ones written already after exemplum um after the, the release of, of your exemplum and what in, in order press you're going to do with that um are you going to go back t- to look at those initial screenplays and maybe doing the retooling or reworking for your next project or are you looking at uh have you got fresh ideas uh going ahead because um i gotta say having watched exemplum um I really can't wait to see what's next in the radar for you because um, I really did enjoy the film.
1: Oh, thank you, Matt. Uh, it means a lot to hear you say that. Uh, I've got fresh ideas. Absolutely. Uh, and I have, uh, I have screenplays that are already written. Uh, the, the ones that I have written, I love, I would very much love to create those. Um, they're all each, I think, higher budgets, uh, Than where I'm at right now, I think the the most appropriate uh, film for me next would be somewhere in the hundred thousand to five hundred thousand range and prove my skills in that arena, and then hopefully advance on to something with a couple million uh, dollars. So you know, I've got I've got the fresh ideas uh, for 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 whatever arena I have to go into next.
0: Well, for everyone out there listening, Exemplum available now on digital and streaming. A lot of places you can watch it right now. I'm pretty sure you can see it on uh, Tubi. Uh, what other places can people check out the the movie?
1: Yeah, right now they can see it on Tubi for free. Uh, they can uh, rent or purchase a high quality download at Vimeo on demand. $1.99 to rent and ninety nine nine ninety nine to purchase.
0: I mean, I really recommend people do watch this movie because I think it's really important, especially in the, the movie landscape right now. That um, filmmakers give the audience something to experience and talk about. Um, you know, different uh, subjects that might seem to taboo to some people, but to others like myself, are just really up my uh, in my wheelhouse. And I really enjoyed the, the the characters. I really enjoyed the plot. I really enjoyed. The spiritual and uh, religious aspects to the film um, and how it all blended together. So, if everyone's like like me in that regard, you want to watch really smart, powerful, haunting filmmaking, I recommend Exemplan all the way. And uh, Paul Roland, I congratulate you with this, uh, your debut film. You really did dive into that deep end. You made the feature. Um, I know you did it under incredibly stressful um, uh, circumstances. Um, which, which if people check out your um, socials um, they can find out more about that but um, you did it in the end man and people are, are going to be watching and now Re- reviews have been really good my review will be up very soon as well um, and I'll also be praising the film because I think this is a, one of the, the best films I've seen this year and I mean that from the bottom of my heart and Paul I just want to thank you for your time and, and hopefully we get to talk again I hope one of those original ideas or, or one of those screenplays you already have um, gets uh, up and made next and I can't wait uh, till that time
1: Absolutely. I'm always happy to talk about, talk anything. I love talking cinema and I love, you know, I, I'll just say this, you know, I, I've always been a lover of cinema I, I, I'm a lover of, of movies. I don't want movies to die. I think uh, David Fincher said it best uh, the other day. He said, movies are not dead. They're just abandoned. And I, mm. I, I want us all to, 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 to resurrect movies. Cause I think movies are the greatest art form, uh, dramatic art form that has ever existed. And uh and it's 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 gonna be really sad if they give way to uh television shows and series uh and TikTok videos. So yeah.
0: I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. All right, Paul, thank you very much for your time today. Take care and uh yeah, until next time. Um again, best of luck with the film.
1: Thank you. Thank you.